0: first week of our series was living together. We'll throw that up. We talked about how the early church lived together. We talked about how we need each other. And as Pastor Mike shared at the beginning of the service, we're launching a ton of opportunities for you this fall. Uh, A lot of them that are just social. They're just ways for you to, uh, to live together with other people and get to know other people. Last Sunday, Pastor Mike preached a gem on the topic of learning together. We want to see every single person in this church maturing and growing spiritually. And as he mentioned, we're launching a bunch of opportunities this fall to to help you get your spiritual life engaged and get some traction going, to get growing spiritually in your relationship with Jesus. We want you to know that Moncton Wesleyan cares about your spiritual growth. We're intentional about that. We want you to get plugged into that. So today, the third triangle is living together, or love together, sorry, love together. That's the third week, is love together. That's why I'm wearing our missions t-shirt this morning. This is the t-shirt that uh, you'll see around the church. The Haiti team is wearing these and things like that. How we can serve others and be the church, how we can practically show the love of Jesus to others as we just finished singing about. And next Sunday, we'll wrap up the series. Uh, I'll have a shorter sermon next week. We're going to talk about the vision of our church that God has called us to, and we're going to eat a lot of food. So we're in uh, John chapter 13 this morning, a little setup, and then we'll get to the the text. In John chapter 13, the cross is approaching quickly. Jesus knows that he's going to the cross. And uh, everything he does and everything he says in these moments are, are loaded with extra weight. He's preparing his disciples for, for the, the crucifixion and uh, his resurrection. He's preparing them for the events ahead. And he's building into them in these moments what his mission is all about. He's pressing into them what it really, really means to, to go and serve others, to love others. And on this particular night that we're about to read about, Jesus chooses a way of serving them and loving them that they, would, they could never possibly forget. It's an experience that must have rattled them to their core, and, and, it, and it must have caused them to go out into their world and, and with an unstoppable, unconditional love. So that's the setup. We're going to read it. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Before the Passover celebration... Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. The devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you. You won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, A person who is bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, which I'm sure must have raised an eyebrow or two. What does that mean, not all of us? For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master." Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. At the beginning of this text that we read, John mentions the Passover and it's intentional. He wants to remind us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover prophecy. Jesus is going to cover us and he's going to cover our sins. He's going to protect us from eternal punishment with his sacrifice on the cross, and so there is a connection that we're supposed to get. We're supposed to see in this text the connection between the washing of the feet and the dying of, on the cross. It, it's, there's a setup here that we're supposed to pick up on, and John mentions the Passover to help us connect these two big thoughts: the washing of the feet and the dying on the cross. It's these two big themes in this text. Of of one is humbly serving. And the other theme is spiritual cleansing, humbly serving and spiritual cleansing. And they're inseparable. And we're supposed to see that, that you can't can't just serve and not be washed by Jesus Christ. And you can't just be washed and not serve because of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to see that in this text. Now, the table... That, uh, that they were at, would have been a, tables were, in that time, were very low to the ground. People would have been on the floor, uh, either right on the floor or on a pillow or a blanket uh, at the table. They would have been reclining, uh, like, towards the table with their feet away from the table. And Jesus gets up, takes off his outer robe, which would have been very unusual for a rabbi, for a teacher to do that. He gets up and and takes off his outer robe and puts a towel around his waist, and he takes on the appearance of a servant. With a towel around his waist, he washes and dries the disciples' feet, including the feet of Judas Iscariot. Now, I find it, I'll just talk about myself for a moment. I find it easy to serve people I like. It's, it's not a, a big deal to serve people I like. But I can, I can also isolate myself and insulate myself with, with just people I like. And I can avoid difficult people or, or people that, you know, I've, I've had a bad experience with. I can avoid them. I'm sure it's just me and no one else in the room is like that. And how did, how did Jesus get down on his hands and feet, on his hands and knees, and wash the feet of Judas, knowing what was in Judas's heart? How did he do this? John gives us a clue. In verse 1, John says that, that he loved them, and he loved them to the very end. That's a clue of how Jesus loves us. He loved all of them, not just Not just some of them, not just most of them, but he loved all of them to the very end. And this is love without conditions. This is love that says, I'm going to go the distance with you. I'm going to show you love even if you show me something different. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you even if you don't deserve it. I'll love you when you have betrayal in your heart. And after, after the crucifixion happens, and the disciples have a chance to look back on this foot washing, it, that's when it must have really, really sunk in, when they realized, hey, guys, when he washed our feet, he knew, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that there was one of us in the room. Remember when he said that we were clean, but not all of us, and we all thought, who is it? You know, who is it? It was Judas, and Jesus served him the same way that he served us. He didn't skip him. Judas's feet weren't dirty at the end of the night. Jesus loved him right to the very end, even though he had betrayal in his heart, even though he knew what Judas was up to. And Jesus is showing us that we need to be washed clean. We need to have our sins washed clean and And the other side of that, gang, is we need to humbly serve others with love in our heart to the very end. Thank you. Was that from the balcony? Go, balcony! (laughs) Woo! They're awake up there in the balcony. Have a look at this picture. Did you see this this week? Anybody see the Popsicle vendor in Chicago this week? This is yes. Yes. Glenn and I, two of us. Hey, okay, a few. All right. This guy is Fidencio Sanchez. Fidencio Sanchez. What a name. He's 89 years old. And when recently, he was a, he's been a Popsicle vendor for, uh, I don't know, like 30 years or something like that. He's 89 years old. And when his daughter recently died and left he and his wife with their grand boys... At 89 years old, Fidencio took up the popsicle cart to go out and try to make a little money selling a dollar and 50 cent popsicles to support his grandchildren because his daughter had died. Did I mention he's 89 years old? Someone saw Fidencio pushing his cart, struggling because he's 89 years old. I don't know if I could push a popsicle cart. And I'm not 89 years old. And Joel Cervantes saw this and he took a picture of Fidencio and he started a GoFundMe campaign. And in two weeks, he raised over $384,000 in two weeks. And and here they're giving him a check and they're saying, Fidencio, brother, you can retire. You can retire. You don't have to push the cart anymore. People chose. Yeah, that's. that's. More than 15,000 people in 60 countries chose to, to serve Fidencio. I just love that story. Okay, back to our story. If I knew that God was going to see my dirt at the end of the day, I would be more careful where I stepped. Like walking around Gala's farm. Don't step in that. Don't step in that. Don't bring those boots inside the house. If I knew that God was going to see my dirt at the end of the day, I'd be more careful what I stepped in. where I allowed my feet to go. And friends, God sees your dirt at the end of each day. And your grime is not a surprise to him. Your filth is not so pungent that the God of heaven won't come near to you in your dirt. He's he still, knowing where you've been and knowing what, what you've gotten on yourself during the day, he still invites you to his table and he takes off your, his robe and he puts a towel around his waist and he pours water in the basin and he says, let me, let me serve you. Let me, let's deal with that. Let me take care of, of that stuff, my child, that you've gotten on yourself. Do not hide your guilt and your shame, but to expose the things in your life that need to be cleansed. Psalm 51 verse 7 says, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Yes, we should be careful where we step. During the day, Psalm 119 verse 105 says, tells us that we should allow the word of God to be a lamp unto our feet. You're making decisions all day by by using the word of God. Is this the right direction? Is that the right direction? Is this this what I should be doing? Is Is this what a child of God should be stepping and getting their feet in? And you use the word of God as a lamp unto your feet, as a light unto your path, so that you are careful of where you step. Be guided by the word of God and be guarded by the Holy Spirit of God. But if you find at the end of the day that there are things that you know that need to be confessed, that need to be forgiven, let Jesus serve you. Let him wash you clean. Amen. And unless you humble yourself enough to expose the ugly parts of your life to Jesus, the things that maybe you are ashamed of or embarrassed of, The scripture is clear. You cannot belong to Jesus unless you will allow him to to wash those things clean. His humility demands our humility. You cannot respond to his humility with, with pride or with hiding. There are really only two types of sin, washed and unwashed. That's it. Let's look again at verse 6. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, I don't think so. Peter again is the poster boy for being outspoken. And then he's corrected, and then he's rebuked, and then he's remorseful. Peter says, I don't think so, Lord. See, he has good intentions. Peter has good intentions, but he's, he's ignorant of the plans of God for his life. Now here's the... Here's the lesson about this. Here's the truth about this that I hope you get this morning. This, w- learn this from Peter this morning. Don't stop the progress of God just because you don't like the process of God. You see, Peter didn't like what, what God was going to do, or what he had to go through, or what the process was. And so he he stops the progress of God. He says, I don't think so. I don't think so. You're not, you're not washing my feet. Don't stop the the progress of God in your life just because you don't want to go through the process of it. Oftentimes, we want the progress without the process, don't we? Oftentimes, we think, you know, is there an easier way to spiritual growth? Is there an easier way? Do I I really have to come clean? Do I really have to, to, to be humble about this? Do I really have to expose these ugly parts of my life? And the answer is yes. If you want the progress of God, you've got to submit yourself humbly to the process of God. God takes us through a process that makes us uncomfortable or or entirely humbling. If you say yes to the process, you'll benefit from the progress. If God is waiting on you with a towel ready to cleanse you, don't pull away. Don't, Don't do a Peter and say, I don't think so. Verse 7, Jesus tries to help Peter. And he he tries to help him saying, you know, Peter, it doesn't make sense now. But someday this will make sense. And and, and there might be someone even here this morning who's getting hung up on the parts of Jesus that they don't understand. And it's good for you this morning to see this tension uh, between Jesus and Peter. Peter's getting hung up because he doesn't understand. And Jesus is patient. And Peter pushes harder in the next verse, and he says, no chance, this is not happening. And then Jesus just bottom lines it and says to him, Peter, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. They don't know it in the moment. But the foot washing is pointing them to the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is pointing to, to the time when he is going to take on the form of, of the ultimate servant for us he's going to disrobe his heavenly garment for us he's going to take the lowest place possible on a sinner's cross so that by his blood our sins could be forever washed away and he speaks directly to Peter about his mission and it's clear and he says to him you either come under the cleansing flood of God's grace or be forever lost in your sin." That's it. And maybe this morning you feel the tug of God. Maybe you feel the, the nudge of God, the tug of God to open up your life to Him. To allow Him to, to pressure wash those, those dirty places of our lives. To, to wash you clean whiter than snow today. To open up your life to Him. Maybe like Peter, you're pulling back from that. And I hope that today is a day that you will stop fighting, and start following. Let's look at verse 10. Jesus replied, A person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. What is Jesus saying in this verse? He's talking about salvation. That that moment when you first choose and decide to follow Jesus. We call it a lot of different things. You can call it salvation. You can call it born again. You can call it uh, crossing the line of faith, whatever it is. But Jesus is talking about, about salvation. When you invite Jesus Christ into your, your, your life as your Lord and your Savior, That Jesus is saying that, that is the ultimate wash. That is the ultimate pressure wash, and you don't need to do that again. That's why we don't, we don't re, re-baptize people every time they sin. Could you imagine? Every time you sin and we say, well, you've got you to come to Jesus, you've got to get saved again. We're going to baptize you again and go out and, and uh, try to do better this week. We we don't do that. Jesus says if you've been washed, you know, once in, in salvation, you don't need to do that again. You just need to have those parts of you that have gotten dirty, you need to have those things cleaned up. Next Sunday, we're going to have a baptism here at Moncton-Westland. And I will ask if there is anyone here who wants to come forward and, and be baptized. We're going to have the tank right here. It's going to be the splash zone. You're going to have to wear a rain jacket in the first couple rows. And I will ask, is there anyone here who, who right now you, you're making the decision to follow Jesus and you want to follow him into the waters of baptism? You want to be baptized right, right now and you and when I give that kind of an invitation, you, if you've already been baptized as, a, as, a, as an adult, you knew what you were doing, you decided to follow Jesus, and you were baptized, you don't need to be baptized again, even if you're feeling like there's parts of your life that need to be cleaned up. You don't need to be baptized again. Now, sometimes people come uh, in that moment because they, they realize that, yes, I was baptized, but I was so young that I, I don't remember it, and I want to be baptized on my decision as an adult. Or, you know, there's, there's circumstances like that, and we say, yes, we, we, would love to, we would love to baptize you. That's okay. So bring a change of clothes and a towel, uh, or plan to go home wet. It doesn't matter to us. And um, if you are planning on being baptized, make sure that you take one of those connection cards or something. Make sure that you communicate to us. Email us, call us. Do something, let us know. We just want to talk to you and explain it. Make sure that you understand and know what you're doing. And uh, so we're going to have a baptism next week. Anybody excited about baptisms? Okay. In the, in the, in the end of this verse, look at this, where Jesus says, You disciples are cleaned, but but not all of you. Wow. Now, Judas went through the same foot washing as everyone else, but he was not clean. His feet got clean, but spiritually he was not clean. He still had sin in his heart. This means that going through a ritual, even if it's with Jesus himself, does not necessarily make you clean you can fake your way through communion. You can go through the motions and fool everyone in the room and be totally messed up on the inside. Wow. Wow. Today would be a great day to get those things, get that mess washed up. In the last few verses of this scene, I'm not going to read it over again just because of time. But in the last few verses of John chapter 13, uh, 1 through 17, so the last few verses of that scene that we read, John wants us to be clear. He wants us to see how Jesus reinforced over and over with them the meaning of the foot washing. He wants them to understand this is not about cleaning your feet. He wants them to understand the meaning and the purpose of what he was doing. And do we, I'm asking us this, this morning, Church, Moncton Weston, do we understand, do we fully appreciate and understand the cost of our cleansing? Do we see and understand the connection between the cleansing and the cross, the humility and the serving? Where Jesus He, he demonstrates to us: be served by Jesus, serve others for Jesus, be served by Jesus. Serve others for Jesus. Be served by Jesus. Go and serve others for Jesus. Be a river, not a reservoir. What God pours in, you pour out. Be blessed and then go and be a blessing. We are here to know and we're here to grow, but we're also here to go. Do we see? Church. Do we see this morning how our world can be radically transformed for Jesus when we genuinely serve others with no strings attached? Not, well, I'll do this for you if you do this, or if you come to our church, or if, if, if with no strings attached. We're just loving you and serving you because we love Jesus and Jesus has served us. And we just want to, we just want you to know how much God loves you. Serve those who hate you. It drives them nuts. If somebody hates you and they know that you hate and you know that they hate you, one of the ways that you can drive them nuts is by loving them and serving them. It's so much fun. Love those who want to to harm you. No like like Jesus did with Judas, and no teacher had ever ever loved like this before. This was so revolutionary. That if you read the first couple chapters of the book of Acts, you see that after Jesus has left the planet, you see that the disciples lived this out. They were radically transformed by this, by this radical love. And they, they, they begin to attack their communities with love and with serving. And they march forward for Jesus on their knees. Not responding to violence with violence, but responding to violence with a radical love that says, Here, here, come and sit at my table and let me wash your feet. Let me show you uh, how much I love you. Let me show you the love of my Savior, Jesus Christ, who, even when he was hanging on a sinner's cross, hanging between two thieves, who said, Father, Father, Forgive them; they don't know what they are doing. And at least three times at the end of Jesus' teaching in this text, he strongly encourages them to do these things. He just keeps telling them, "You've got to do this stuff. You need to do these things. This is what I want you to to do." This is how I want you to live. It's not enough to just know. It's not enough to just sit here in a large auditorium and say, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I know that. It's what you do with what you know that makes you grow. Did you get that? Back that up. Back that up. It's what you do with what you know that makes you grow don't just know what jesus said do what jesus did that's what makes the difference well we're going to do something fun here this morning i'm going to invite the ushers that have the water bottles to bring them down bring them down front we're going to have four uh, large water bottles down front here come on down guys and let's do something fun here this morning Let's make a difference for Jesus Christ. You into that? Anybody into that? You don't know what we're going to do yet. We're a big church. Let's do something. Let's make a difference for Jesus Christ. Now, we've been serving for five years in a very uh, rural, thanks, guys, very rural, very challenged community in Haiti called Babaco. One of the key problems in Babico, why, we're, why one of the reasons why we're there, is because in 2012, a hurricane literally cha- changed the landscape there, like blew them apart and cut off their, their water supply. And so water has been a, a critical, crucial challenge for these people. And our team and other teams, but our team specifically led by Nathan and Jen Adams and others, have been working hard to to fix, to solve the water crisis in Babaco, to restore water to their community. They, like us, need water to live, to farm. They needed to farm. They needed to, to grow crops, to be able to produce food, to be able to provide for their children. It's crucial. Now, the total cost of the water project, the total the cost of it all I th- is around $30,000. I don't know if that's American. If it's American, it's about 400,000 Canadian. <laughs> there are a couple other churches involved with us on this. But wouldn't it be fun this morning to do something lavish? To do something unusual? To do something that just pours out love for the glory of Jesus. Not so anybody can say, yay, Moncton Wesleyan, or look at what we did. But just to be the church, just to be the hands and feet, so that our brothers and sisters in, in Babaco, Haiti, know how much we care. There is, there is many thousands of dollars in this room this morning, we probably have enough money in our pockets to solve the water crisis in Babaco. So here's what we're not right at this moment, but as a part of the, the, the altar call, the invitation that I'm going to give in a few minutes. When I give the invitation, when the band comes out and when we begin to sing, so you have a couple minutes to talk this over amongst yourselves, but we're going to come forward and we're going to give an offering into these water into these water bottles. And um, you have time to discuss this as a couple. You can also, um, you can make a pledge. So if you're here, like, who carries a checkbook anymore? I don't, it's pretty rare. Um, you can use the offering envelopes and make a pledge. Give us your contact number. Believe me, we'll find you. And, and then we'll, we'll come forward, and we'll make this huge offering. I, my goal would be that we would give half of it this morning, that we would give an, an offering of $15,000 this morning. Would that be cool? Would that be cool? Okay, that is super doable in this room. Um, some of you can give a dollar, a couple dollars, and, and there are several people in this room, frankly, who, can, who, could, who could give $1,000 towards this. And um, and be blessed by that and be a blessing to Babaco or more. And uh, so I'm pretty, pretty jazzed about this. I, I think this is going to be crazy. Uh, we'll give you the, the total number next week. We'll blow the roof off and so, just d- dance for Jesus because, uh, you know, because he's, he's good. And uh, it's, not, it's not about how awesome we are, right? Did we all get that? It's not about us being awesome. We're, we're just, all we are are, are Servants of the Most High God. Okay, so that's cool. So hang on. We're going to have that in a moment. Land in the plane. If you go to mw.church backslash serve, it will take you to a ministry involvement questionnaire. And we want to help you find a significant place of serving for Christ. That's one way that you can get connected. By now, you know the drill. You can also go into the atrium, pour out of here like ants after the service, go to those connected booths and say, I want to serve, and someone will help you with that. Uh, we have people who serve on a regular basis at Harvest House in our, in our city, which does an incredible work. We are heavily involved with a Teen Challenge, which is changing lives. Uh, we're heavily involved in Teen Challenge. You can get involved there. Uh, We have a ministry here in our church called Helping Hands that is serving, meeting needs all over our city. That's another way that you can get involved. All right. So I think I'm going to leave it at that. Um, We're going to pray, and we're going to respond to Jesus this morning. And so let me go back over this as a response. There's going to be lots happening up front here. But if you just want to come and kneel and pray, Kneel here, you know, between the, kneel between the bottles. That's not something you hear at church every week. (laughs) Kneel between the bottles, and people who are coming to give will, will, will move around you. But seriously, there are probably people here who feel like there's some stuff that they've been stepping in, and it needs to be washed clean by Jesus Christ who is here in this room this morning and he wants to serve you by washing away your sin. And and that's important. There are other people here who you have not been serving and God is speaking to you about that, saying you, my child, need to get involved in what I'm doing. And together we can make a difference in people's lives. And maybe you want to come and pray about that. Uh, We haven't done this for a while, and and I really felt led the last couple of days to do this. And so if you're new to Moncton Wesleyan, this, this, um, this will be different for sure. But the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me for a few days saying, give someone an opportunity this morning to stand to their feet, to declare to the world that they are choosing today for the very first time to accept me into their life as their Lord and Savior been a while. We do hands raised a lot and things like that. With, all, with everybody looking around ready to cheer. Because if you take a stand for Jesus here this morning, it'll be a lot easier for you to take a stand for him when you get home, when you go back to work, wherever you go. Uh, it'll be easier for you to take a stand. I would say that in a Christian church surrounded by several hundred followers of Jesus that would be one of the easier places to take a stand for him. And if you don't know that you've ever made this decision ever in your life to say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. I believe you are God's Son and you hung on a sinner's cross for my sin. And I want to stand to my feet this morning as a symbol of inviting you to come into my life, to be Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I will live for you, I will serve you, I will follow you with all of my life. You will be Lord of every area of my life for the rest of my life. Following Jesus is not just a decision that you make. It's a lifestyle that you choose. This is not a checkbox. This is not a get into heaven ticket. This is saying he will be my Savior, my Lord for the rest of my life. And if that's you this morning and you feel him, the Holy Spirit, tugging at your heart and you know today is your day to accept him and follow him Um, God has led me to give you this opportunity to stand to your feet and the congregation will applaud because heaven throws a party when one lost sheep is found so if that's you go ahead and stand to your feet there might be several to drag it on but I do believe it was for someone alright well maybe we'll come back to that and uh, that's all I can do Just leave it in the Lord's hands Pastor Mark uh, would you lead us and I have decided to follow Jesus let's all stand together come and make an offering whether it's in the bottle or you're coming to pray, let's respond to the Holy Spirit.